Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. We are recording the June 19th episode, still in Deuteronomy, Psalms, and Isaiah. This next week, we remain in all of those books. Isaiah's chapters are long. That's so good. They are so good. I just so good. I'm feeling, I don't know why I'm feeling lost in Isaiah. Not lost, but like sometimes I don't know, like, wait, Isaiah's talking. This is Isaiah. No, this is yes. Jesus. <laughs> Keeping all of the the characters straight and all the storylines yeah. and all the I mean, it's frustrating for me. So I imagine it I'm starting a little bit to glaze over when I'm reading Isaiah because I'm like, I don't have time to do the work. Yes. Yeah. And I and I shouldn't be. And it's not what it's for. Right. And so I'm fighting not to glaze over. I think one of the things that will help me, you know how I love Bible project videos. Isaiah videos are divided into two. And I watched the first one before we started it. I'm far enough in that I need to watch the second one. And it would probably be helpful for me to watch the first one again to, to kind of get my Very brain engaged in it again. Yeah. I love yeah. that idea. You're going to jump into Deuteronomy. You this is think. super surface and not deep, but there were two times in my Deuteronomy reading this week where I was like, oh, Ruth, because I've yes. skimmed through Ruth. Yes. There was, he talks about in chapter 23, yep. no Ammonite or Moabite may enter yep. the assembly. And I was yes. like, ah, yep. ever, Never. even to the, none of their Ten. descendants, even to the 10th generation may ever enter the Lord's assembly. So yes. Yep. That made me super curious and made me want to dig into Moabites again. And then there's this section where it talks about just leaving sheaves. Yeah, leaving it basically leaving leave. something for the Yeah, leaving leftovers in all those ways. And that just made me think of Ruth too. For gleaning, which they do. Yep. And it's worth noting too, since we're already there, that in chapter twenty when he says that they can't join in the congregation even to the tenth generation. The reason that's because of Balaam. Yeah. That's because mm-hmm. that that they were the ones that hired Balaam to call down mm-hmm. curses on Israel and And God. when it gives the reasons there are two the Balaam one is like a big deal. But mm-hmm. then the other one is because they didn't meet you with food and water on your journey. That makes me think of in Galatians, don't forget the widows, you know. Yeah, don't forget it, the poor. This is a big deal to mm-hmm. God. Loving your neighbor, obviously, is a big deal. Yeah, okay. hospitality. What a great. Yeah. Yep, I went right over that. That's a great observation. Going back to the beginning of Deuteronomy is starting in 18. I don't think I even underlined. I didn't have a pen with me when I was doing these two chapters. I do remember though, I w- I actually went over to my neighbor's house because she's doing the Bible reading plan with us. Well, I've been talking to her about the Reuben and Gad thing and them going to war. And so in chapter 20, Moses is telling them what to do when they go to war. He says, when you go to war against your enemy and see horses and chariots and soldiers far outnumbering you, do not recoil in fear of them. God, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt is with you. 
when the battle is about to begin, let the priest come forward and speak to the troops. He'll say, he's going to give them basically an encouragement that God is with them. But then he says, then let the officers step up and speak to the troops. Is there a man here who has built a new house, but hasn't yet dedicated? Let him go home right now, lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. Is there a man who has planted a vineyard, but hasn't yet enjoyed the grapes. Let him go home right now, lest he die in battle and another man enjoys the grapes. These just seems sort of random. Simple, basic things. Yeah. yeah. Is there a man engaged to marry? Go home, lest he die in battle. And then it says the officers will then continue. And is there a man here who is wavering in resolve and afraid? Let him go home right now so that he doesn't infect his fellows with his timidity and cowardly spirit. I just wanted to take a quick break and let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you're going to love our dive studies. We begin the book of Ruth on June 30th. We'll dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the opportunity to participate in live online video discussion with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group. Our next studies begin June 30th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. I would say actually of all of my reading this week, that is the thing that stood out to me because it falls in that same theme that he's been kind of drawing out for me that, you know, the spies, the whole reason they spent 40 years, 40 extra years in the desert was because the spies came back and told them Mm -hmm. the enemy's too big, the war too hard. There's no way that we're going to succeed. And so then God was like, let all of this generation die out. And it makes me think it's probably because those spies infected at that point, everybody was afraid and there was no gaining their faith back and what God would do. So that entire generation had to go before they could enter the promised land. And now God is like, don't let anybody who's afraid even enter this battle with you, because if there's anybody afraid, it'll infect the whole lot, which again, ties to Galatians. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that in chapter five, where a little leaven leavens Mm -hmm. the entire dough. If you decide you're going to go into battle, don't go in afraid. And there's no condemnation. He's kind of like, don't worry about it. Right. If any of these things are things that you've got on your mind. No condemnation. Just go right. home and take care of these things, which is so like. Just so recognizing odd. that those human aspects of our nature are totally, it's just so normal and so expected and. Acceptable. It's almost like yeah. God accepts our humanity. Yes. It's so gracious. He knows he, that we're distracted by things that are here. Yes. Yeah. He also knows that we have the capacity for faith. And so mm-hmm. that those of us who have the capacity of faith, go do the things he's calling you to do. For those of us who don't have that capacity right now. There is grace for that. It's acceptable. Like it, God knows our humanity. It's not mm-hmm. even just, he expects that from us. Mm-hmm. And it's not there's not condemnation for being man. Mm-hmm. He created us, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It's so merciful. So yeah. loving. So knowing us, he knows That's, us. He knows us. That is why we talked about Psalm 103 last week. And that is one of my favorite phrases in that whole Psalm is that he knows what we're made of and he remembers that we're dust. Yes. Like, there's, yes. there's so much compassion and grace. He knows what we're made of. Yeah. I love that. See, we could end right here. And that would be <laughs> we, could. we probably should have done Deuteronomy last. Since we're about to leave Deuteronomy, one of the things that stuck out to me was in chapter 23. He's talking about cleanliness of the camp. And the reason that they're supposed to keep their camp clean is for the Lord your God yes. walks throughout <gasps> your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you. So your encampments must be holy. And that just made yes. me think. I always think, yeah, I think about God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. 
that's that beautiful picture of what God intended for his relationship with his people to be. And yet here he is, the Lord, your God walks throughout your camp. That just in contrast with what he says right before that, I just read that this morning. So I'm, I just remember it was basically like cover your excrement. Keep yeah, this place. Right. Like, we don't see it. It's gross. I am yeah. here with you. And that idea applied to like who we are right now, even I live within this body. I am indwelling this thing. Keep it holy. Remember yeah. that a holy God walks in and among you, even mm-hmm. as the body of Christ, but even as us indwelt with the Holy Spirit that treat it with respect. Treat with respect because I am, I am holy. Yeah. And and I'm thinking now of this, what we've talked about in Galatians so much is that both and idea. Now we're talking right now about keep it clean and keep it holy because God dwells with you. And we literally just got finished talking about the fact that he remembers that we're dust and there's grace for that. So that like both and, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's, yes, yes, yes. There's so much both and. God recognizes our humanity and he created us human. He did not create us fallen human, but he created us human. And he remembers that we come from dust. It brings us to Isaiah, which Isaiah, the entire purpose of Isaiah is to say, you are human and it's, I cannot live among you the way that you are, but don't Mm -hmm. worry. I have a plan. I'm coming and I'm going to make it so that no matter how you live, no matter the mess, I'm going to be indwelt in you. And I have a plan mm-hmm. for complete and total redemption. And though we haven't, Isaiah being, it's about what they are right now and what he's going to do for them as a people of Israel. But then like Jesus, what he's already done for us and the salvation so that we can live and worship in spirit and in truth, that whole message in Isaiah is like, I'm coming and I'm going to set it all right. Mm-hmm. Like still that hope that we have to come. Yeah. There was so much restoring and yes, the earth shouting for joy. I felt like come up, came up a lot of times in Isaiah because of the restoring that God's going to do. This is something that was interesting to me in Isaiah, the very first 45. And I need to go back. This is something he's talking about Cyrus. Mm -hmm. Who hasn't been born yet. Well, yeah, there's that, but Cyrus is pagan, right? Cyrus is a pagan King. Yeah. It's, interesting to me. He's Persia, I think, right? Right. I think he's Persia. I should remember all of this from Daniel, but okay. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches from secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord. I'm the God of Israel who calls you by your name. I call you by your name for the sake of my servant, Jacob. I give a name to you though. You do not know me. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you though. You do not know me. Yeah. So that all may know. So everyone else may know from the rising of the sun that there's no one but me. I'm the Lord and there's no other. That just really stuck out to me that God's, he's calling him my name, that difference between like, so that you may know that I am the Lord. And yet he doesn't ever really truly know God. I wonder. It starts out God's message to his anointed. To his anointed. Right. So like handpicked king. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Remind me about Cyrus. So Hezekiah showed all of his. Cyrus you know, is after Nebuchadnezzar, right? Right. Yep. Cyrus, I think is the one who came and conquered Babylon. So that, so Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he overthrows Judah. He takes all of those 
he people takes into captivity. Captive, yeah. Cyrus comes and conquers Babylon from Persia. And so now they're living in Persia and Cyrus is the one that lets them go back and build their, I'm almost positive Cyrus is the king that lets Nehemiah come back and rebuild Jerusalem. So Cyrus okay. actually ends up getting all of their, all of everyone's goods, including Babylon. Babylon took Hezekiah's and then Cyrus gets all of that because he overthrows Babylon. And then I'm pretty sure King Cyrus is the one that lets Nehemiah go back. We should look at Nehemiah. Yeah, I'm, this is my problem. Just like when I read a book, I, I read it and I forget it. Yeah. It's the same thing. Well, like when I study. But this is, there's too much. There's just yeah. so many characters in well, a thousand sense. stories. Actually, I find it incredibly frustrating that every time I go back to the Pentateuch, I'm like, oh, that happened? Yeah. What's well, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of history. I Googled it. Okay. He is the, he's the king of Persia. He took on the Babylon, Babylonian captivity, and then he lets them go back. Okay, so that means maybe that my assumption when I was reading all of that is wrong. Because I was reading it like Cyrus maybe did know God. Well, he- I, you know, I have to wonder whether he ever... Because, you know, Isaiah's word would have been written in a scroll. I'm like, did anybody ever show... I mean, did he ever find out? Do you know have mean? the inside scoop. Yeah. They, no, 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 no. Not ahead of time. But I wonder if it... Well, maybe ahead of time. I guess there's a part of me that wonders if he ever... Knew that he had been prophesied about. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a mind-blowing experience. That would be a mind... Bl- I mean, when you were reading that, so that everyone will know, like the portion that you read, I can't, I don't know what verses it was, but I was like, man, that makes me wonder whether at some point he was like, holy crap. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what Isaiah is about is God is basically saying, this is how you'll know that I am the God of all gods, because while all of these other gods do these things for you, like right. I'm the only one that can predict the future. Yeah. And so it would be one of the, I can only imagine Cyrus seeing his name that was like, whoa, whoa, you know, yeah. that'd be cool. These are the wonderings that I have that are not in any way theologically biblical. Yeah. Well, but fun to think about. Two things that I'm looking through Psalms that stuck out to me. The phrase credited to him as righteousness is in there. He's talking about Phineas. Give me your chapter and verse. Uh, Psalm 106, 31. They align themselves with Baal of pure and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They angered the Lord with their deeds. And plague, a plague broke out against them, but Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. It was credited to him as righteousness throughout all generations to come. I just, mm. that, like, I have nothing profound to say except for that phrase stuck out to it, stood out to me just to because of things that I've been thinking through lately. But also, I love that we're reading Psalms while we're reading Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Yeah, like. Oh my gosh. It's perfect timing it is because you're like oh i know I just, if i had yeah, read this, this at any other time phineas would not mean anything yeah. to me yeah. yes the other thing that i thought was cool psalm 111 now i'm just realizing that i maybe looked at this wrong okay so at the end of psalm 111 it said in verse 10 it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom all who follow his instructions have good insight his praise endures forever i was like well that sounds just like proverbs and so i went back to look to see who wrote the psalm but I actually looked at Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is a Psalm of David. 111 doesn't say anything, but no, it, it made me think. Probably David, right? Right, which that's kind of cool to think as a parent. Solomon says that exact thing in yeah. Proverbs. The beginning, the fear of the Lord. Yeah, things that your parents teach you that just kind of stick with you. 
Oh, I love that. I just thought that was kind of a cool connection, but now I want to know if that actually is. I love that seriously too, in light of what we've been talking about in that, I don't know how long it's going to be before I stop like bringing it all back to racial injustice, but what you were talking about when I brought it up is something that I wanted to, uh, wanting to do better. And that idea that you you keep hearing as I'm listening more, I keep hearing even Ben Carson, I think said something, his reaction is similar to something I'm hearing from other black men and women, just it matters what we teach our kids in our home. Like Ben Mm -hmm. Carson is like, I have to have hope that really the change for our nation is going to happen in our homes. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree. Just that idea that David, he really believed this thing so much that it was ingrained in his son such that it was mm-hmm. one of the first words that he says in all of his in so- in Proverbs. Proverbs. Yeah. As my kids are growing, like this is an mm-hmm. important thing to make sure that I'm teaching my kids that every single human is made in the image of God. Any person that the world yeah. devastates, those are the people that Jesus goes out of his way for, you mm-hmm. know, that like the poor person, the stinky person, the whoever person that walks into just our the unaccepted. Yeah. Or walks into crosses our path. Like that's an opportunity for us to touch the face of God. I want to live that out. I want God to bring those opportunities and pierce my heart with the Holy spirit to tell me like, here's a moment, here's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I want the opportunities to come, but I also need the Holy spirit to like urge me, you know? Mm-hmm. Those two things have to go hand in hand Yeah, in my flesh. That's not my inclination. Yep. I, I, I think spirit of God. Yeah. For me, when you talk about, we have to do better. And then I think, okay, what can I do better? That is the top thing that I is what I'm teaching my kids. Yeah. Because it's, it's easy to overlook because it seems like you're not, it seems insignificant. And yet my role as a mom is one of my most significant roles that it I play. It is the and most significant role that we play. We're raising yeah. up a whole nother generation of people that are going to either keep doing what we're doing or do better. Right. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that for me is, it's the thing I think I'm, I'm the most conscious of because it's also the most obvious or easiest place to start. Yeah. And yet also the easiest place to overlook sometimes. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.